Hi guys, my name is Girish Bally, the host for Back to Basics, another Back to Basics, another week. I hope you're enjoying all the episodes that I've done so far. And keep in mind that all these episodes are releasing every day. And every day there are different, different topics. And hopefully you're enjoying this one too. I hope you'll enjoy this one too. So today's episode is about um, ending jobs. Or is it bringing jobs? Or bringing skills? I mean, we'll get into the details of that on the episode today, but it's a book that I actually uh, want to introduce Jeff. Uh, he is an author of Ending Jobs or Bringing Jobs. I think I'll ask that question also, too. How about that? So, guys, let's go and invite uh, Jeff into the call. Jeff, how are you? And thanks for coming on Back to Basics. I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much. So, before we get into the basics of ending jobs or bringing jobs or skills or whatever right uh what does back to basic mean to you so what does back to basic mean to me you know i think that we have a tendency to overcomplicate things okay. in our personal lives in our businesses with ourselves and how we think about things mm. and so going back to basics means to me to focus on fundamental things and focus on the things that are important and everyone gets to define what that means for them yeah yeah thank you so much for that it seems like we need to be reminded each and every time and so far you're you're another guest of mine saying the same thing uh, in a different different way in different languages so thank you so much for acknowledging that so Jeff thank you for coming on back to basics for first of all and the book that we're talking about is end of jobs are we ending jobs or bringing more jobs or bringing more skill can you explain a little detail on, uh, about that book sure 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 well look the book is titled the end of jobs it is not to say that jobs the notion that we're going to work for somebody will end it is more the notion that the job as we know it mm -hmm. knew it mm -hmm. is nine to five one office one manager job that job is ending and the pandemic has certainly sped up uh, its demise, we are moving to what we would call a fluid team-based work-from-anywhere-always-on job. So mm -hmm. again, we went from this nine-to-five, one-office, one-manager job, that job's dying, we're moving from to the work-from-anywhere-always-on fluid team-based job. Mm -hmm. So one job is ending, but another job is starting. One of the main conclusions of the book, though, is that as we think about this fourth industrial revolution with the robots and AI, we will see no net job losses. Hmm. So while the title may be the end of jobs, it is certainly not the end of jobs in total. It's just the end of a job as we knew it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you for that, Jeff. Uh, so when I actually read the title, just the title itself, and there was a description on there. Uh, let me just bring out my notes here. It actually says, as robots rise, we're faced with the end of jobs, but not in the way that you might think. So with that statement in mind, the only first thing came in my mind is that yes, robots are coming and automation is coming, but does that mean that we're eliminating jobs or we're giving them more opportunities for other jobs to get skilled on? Well, let's start with this. When we look at history, when we look at data, when we look at how companies actually engage workers, we have a higher probability of making accurate predictions. Yeah. So, look, in every industrial revolution, and we've had several, 
there are always the statements made, oh my gosh, this new technology, whether it's mechanization, whether it is computerization, whether it's electrification, those things all created this mass hysteria of, oh my God, all the jobs are going to go. Yeah. And that isn't obviously what occurred. Mm. We end up almost every single year, it's one of the, there are three almost uninterrupted trends in the world of work. Mm -hmm. More jobs get created, people work fewer hours, mm -hmm. and they're able to achieve a higher standard of living. Mm -hmm. Almost uninterrupted over the last 200 years. Yeah. So to think that suddenly this technological change is going to fundamentally upset that balance, I, I don't have any data or reason to believe that. Mm -hmm. So while the jobs will change, mm -hmm. it will not be what the doomsayers will have you believe. We are not going to lose net jobs automation to robots and AI but we will lose a lot of jobs Bruce. like that's that's a hundred percent true we are going to lose jobs but we will create more jobs and replace those jobs that are lost yeah thank you so much for that so can we take a little step back uh, so how did you or why did you create this the what triggered you to to bring this because I'm pretty sure there's other books on there but from your perspective, I'm pretty sure there must be something different than other books. So tell me how this whole process started there for you. You used a good word there, which was trigger. I mean, I was triggered into writing this book because as the founder of a company called Work Market, which is enterprise software that helps corporations manage their freelancers, I had the opportunity as one of the leaders in this on-demand labor force transformation to speak at a lot of conferences and be on panels. And I hear a lot of people make a lot of predictions that didn't look at history, didn't look at data, didn't look at how companies actually engage workers. And I'm going to be honest, it just, it didn't trigger me. I found it very frustrating that people would speak in the public square with so little foundational evidence for their points of view. Mm. And if I am able to make one statement and present one data point that fundamentally changes, oh, oh, wait, I didn't know that. Oh, and you fundamentally change what you think. You shouldn't have been talking to begin with. You just shouldn't be in the public square talking about things unless you have a fact-based, an evidence base mm. to back it up. Mm. And too many people were speaking without those things. I found it very frustrating. I believe in the world of work. We have history. We have data. We have how companies actually engage labor. Mm. If we look at those, we're able to make thoughtful predictions. Mm. So since I didn't think people were doing that, I laid it out. Mm, yeah, thank you so much for that. So, so let's fast forward a little, if you don't mind. So the thought process that I had is that nowadays we're getting into the automation world, we're getting into the AI world, we're going to get into the robot world, uh, the machine learning world, I should say, right? But people older than us are still working and they're not retired yet. And they don't have the brain power to learn more or you know, does that make sense if I'm going to say that? I'm not 100% sure that I would agree. I mean, that might be a general thought. It's just a thought process. I'm not, there's no data on that. So, so how would you, how would you. Data to say that, but yes, older workers tend to be more fearful. Maybe that's the word I should be using. capacity to make that change. They just maybe are less willing, but I, I accept that. Look, we do have a workforce that is working longer and the retirement age is pushing up and there are a host of reasons for that. People are living longer, they are less confident in social safety nets, social security specifically, 
to provide for them, and they want a means of staying engaged. Yeah. You know, the big killer is retirement, because you don't have anything that gives you, you have fewer things. I shouldn't say you don't have anything. There are fewer things that give you purpose and meaning. We look to a lot of ourselves, a lot of people look to work to bring mm. that. And so people are delaying retirement more and more. And that is a good thing in a lot of ways, and it is challenging because it creates not the necessary flow within the labor force of people getting promoted and moving forward with their careers. Yeah, I think the, the correct word that I should be using is fear. I think they're getting feared with learning different stuff, I guess, uh, when, it, when they get a little older and in their retirement uh, time. Uh, so I'm trying to help out. Uh, you know, the retirees or going to be retirees to make them understand that there's nothing to be scared about. There's always ways to keep on learning new. Am I right? Uh, and one of your books... That is very, very true. Yeah. Because there are many, many ways of learning nowadays. Uh, uh, there's online learning now. There's YouTube learning now. And then there's some online training. Yeah. So thank you again. So... So you have how long did this how long did it take to write this book? Ooh, about seven years. Seven about years. Seven years to finish this book, and I will tell you, if not for the fact that we came up with the idea to include other people as contributors mm. and get some of the leading thinkers in the world of work to give their thoughts, mm -hmm. uh, if I didn't come up with that idea, I'm not sure I ever finished the book. Yeah, but why why seven years? Is it because you're collecting data just to get the proper uh, uh, data for your book? Uh, it took seven years because I had a full-time job building a company. Sure, sure, and sure. And building it up and raising venture capital and scaling it, and then we sold it to ADP, and it wasn't until we sold the company to ADP that I had the space to really finish it. Mm -hmm. But the more important part of finishing it was getting the 20 people actually shaping the future of work to get their views as to what the world of work looks like in 2040. And so chapter 10, which is obviously the longest chapter, is also my favorite chapter, mostly because I didn't write any of it. <laughs> okay. Okay, thank you so much for that. So uh, I was looking at your, your book and briefly looked at it. It looks like there was a whole bunch of contributors into this book. So it, le it looks like you were collaborating with other people into this book and made this as one big Bible for you guys? Well, this was what I was referring to, these 20 thought leaders. Mm -hmm. I put together what I call the Future of Work Prize, mm -hmm. where I put up a $10 million prize for whoever of the authors in the book is the most correct in their predictions in 2040. Mm -hmm. That means this contest won't end for another 19 years sure and god willing all the 20 writers will, myself included will be around then but uh it was a way to incentivize them to motivate them to spend real time thinking about putting together a thesis about what they think the world of work looks like in 2040 and we have people that run the largest labor unions in the country that run the largest staffing firms in the country that our CHROs are some of the largest companies in the country. They are thinking with their lenses as to what the world of looks like, world of work looks like in 2040, mm. and they put it forward in the book, which mm. was just such a gift to be able to include their views and juxtapose them with my views as yeah. to what the world of work looks like in 2040. Yeah. So this 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 book was seven years ago. Thought process. Okay. 
And today, Start, 20... Yeah. No, no, I'm just saying. So in 2021, I'm pretty sure the, the thought process of this book is kind of old. Do you think that we need a reboot of this book and in a faster way? Because it seems like because your thought process is 2040, right? So do you think we need like a reboot to revise again and see if we need to think in a different way? So short answer for me is no. No. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't need a reboot and here's why. The framework of looking at history, looking at data, looking at how companies actually engage workers, that doesn't get old. The framework doesn't need adjusting. Does the history change? Does the data change? Do companies start to evolve how they think about labor? Of course they do. Mm -hmm. And so over time, that certainly makes sense. But, you know, the book came out or went to content lock, I should say, before the pandemic. People said, oh, should you have written a chapter on the pandemic? And my answer was no. No. Mm -hmm. We talk about how there are certain events that occur through the course of human history that create tremendous disruption in labor markets, wars, pandemics, uh, tremendous natural events, and their impacts on the labor force. Mm. And so did I predict a pandemic in 2020 and 2021? Of course, of course not. But does that mean that the impact is not something that you would have been able to understand given this framework? It certainly does. So suppose if I came up with a similar book like what you did, and I guess my numbers would be, you know, uh, six years ago, including the pandemic, the data would be a little different. So my thought process would be different. Uh, but I think what your but I think your answer is that it doesn't matter of the data. I think you're looking for the foundation. Am I right? It is true. Look, to me, those are the basics. You know, that is going back to basics is what are the fundamentals of the labor force? Yeah. History tends to rhyme. Data patterns don't move that drastically in the world of work. And the way companies engage workers and that fundamental supply and demand balance between companies and workers, it changes all the time. But if you understand that framework mm -hmm. of looking at history, looking at data, looking at how companies engage workers, you'll always be able to make thoughtful predictions on the future of work. Yeah, thank you so much, Jeff. So uh, let me just talk to my audience one second. So guys, just keep in mind that the book that we're talking about, okay, it's about ending jobs. It's about the foundation, or I should say the rule book of how to think when the job ends and what needs to happen. It's not about following data and which data. Just like what I said, if I came out with a different book and I said, I don't know, ending uh, jobs point two, uh, the data does not change. The well, the data will change, but the thought process will be the same no matter what I do. Uh, so I think that's what Jeff is trying to do. So thank you for that. So Jeff, um, so you wrote, <laughs> you wrote the book for seven years. It released before pandemic, or I should say the content uh, uh, before a pandemic. What are you for the next five more years? Because it looks like I went to your website and you have two books. You have and and uh, ending jobs and then you have a kids book uh, also That's true uh, so do you have any more books in hand or up your sleeve I should say I think it's unlikely that I read another book in the near term but likely that I, I read another book at some point uh, look I'm a serial entrepreneur I've started four companies uh, the most recent work market we sold to ADP um, 
you know, we raised about 100 million in venture on work market and had a great exit to ADP. And so I will build another company at some point. Right now I am just book touring and taking it easy, uh, waiting for my non-competes to finish. And then when those are done and I have come up with another idea, I'll start my next and maybe last company. Oh, cool. Thank you so much, Jeff, for all the, the stuff that you do and all the, the speakings that you do. And uh, hopefully I will be part of that uh, uh, speaking tour and hopefully I'll listen to you and, and you can just say hi in the audience that, you know, Girish was there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jeff. Forward to it. Thank you, Jeff, for uh, coming on Back to Basics. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you again. So guys, today we spoke with Jeff and we talked about ending jobs or is it bringing jobs or bringing skills. You, you know what, you analyze that when you go and listen to this episode and you analyze that after reading that book I also. But the only thing what I can do right now is to give the awareness to people that you know what, ending jobs is not the end of the world. It is the, actually the new world that you still need to learn over and over again. There's no ending to it. A person who is brand new coming out of college or a person who's near retirement, there's always ways to learn and that is the key. And as usual, as always, there is a quote of the day from Back to Basics and the quote of the day is, great is the art of beginning and the greater is the art of ending. <laughs> so I hope that and, you know, it defines the whole episode for today. But guys, as usual, as always, what do I say at the end of the episode? Remember, everything in life goes back to basics. And that's what we did today, guys. Guys, take care. God bless. And I will see you next week. Next week's episode on Back to Basics. Right one. But does that I, I'm not. No. Okay. Not. Well, you, you know what I mean. I mean, you, you have to find the right one for you. Whoever is listening to this uh, podcast right now. And it's like a therapist as well, you know, Absolutely. you have the power to choose your wellness journey, your mental health journey. And if you're not clicking, if they're not providing you with what you need, you look for another one. That's Absolutely. Right. That's right. That's right. So those, those are the, the, the things that you get. I mean, from the business point of view, do you get any uh, situations that they come to you for help? 